Easter is next Sunday. So I want to alleviate some of your end time fears. Because of what Jesus did on Calvary, if you are part of the church, the bride of Christ, the redeemed, in the end, you win. Some are acting like the church already is and will be defeated throughout the end time. So I want to discuss the church's victory on this edition of End of the Age. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. You know, everyone, as I was going through the news today, an overwhelming amount of it was simply fear-mongering. I mean, World War III, world government, world religion, pandemics, famines, earthquakes... And the list goes on and on and on. All of the propaganda, the agendas being pushed by the current administration in Washington, the United Nations, Hollywood, I mean, you name it. It feels like it's kind of all crowding in, doesn't it? So I was thinking, man, what, what do I do on, what, let, what, you know, what's the best thing for me to talk about on the radio today? Because we're all living through this together, and I want everybody to be encouraged. You say, yeah, but this world's just going crazy. Yes, it is. But we've still got to abide in this world until the Lord comes to take us home. So in order to alleviate some of that fear, I want to discuss the victory of the church while sticking mainly to the book of Revelation on today's program. Because I know it's easy. I've talked to a lot of people that are just scared out of their mind over events that they believe will transpire in the end time. And again, there are a lot of people that are just sowing fear, fear, fear. But you know what? All you have to do is to flip over to the back of the book and read the end. And guess what? The Bible says that if you're in the church, if you are part of the bride of Christ, if you're the redeemed if you've obeyed the gospel and been born again, in the end, you will be the ultimate winner. Hebrews 2, verse 14 through 15, says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, He Himself, Jesus Himself, likewise shared in the same, that through death, he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. The devil had the power of death up until Jesus Christ died on Calvary. And the Bible says, and what he did by destroying him that had the power of death, 
is to release those who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. I want to hold right here. Because the fear of death, that is something a lot of people wrestle with. Why? Because they don't know where they're going to end up should that happen to them. Where will I end up? Where will I spend eternity? So they've got a fear of dying. But the Bible says that Jesus Christ released those by destroying the, the, him who had the power of death, even the devil. He released those who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. He released them from that fear. Now, how does that work? Well, we'll talk about that in a moment, an individual being born again. But the next question is, who are those who don't have to fear death? Because these are the individuals. I want to attain that mentality, right? No fear of death. There have been many people that have died for causes over the last, for thousands of years now. Didn't fear death. Christians that were martyred because they would not deny the name of Jesus Christ and not turn away from the truth. They didn't fear death. The apostles in the New Testament, many people, they died because of what they believed in and the cause of Jesus Christ and for the name of Jesus and for the Lord that they loved. So how do we attain in the end time? If you're going to do anything for the Lord, you're going to have to get out of your, the fear box. I'm in a prison cell. Fear. And the Bible says many that through all of their lifetime were in bondage because they feared death. However, how do you get to the point where you don't fear death anymore? Well, when you know that when you lay your head on the pillow at night, if I don't wake up in the morning, if something happens, the Lord chooses to take me home. I know where I'm going. It takes the fear of death away, right? Death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Gone. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9 through 10. These are the individuals that don't fear death. The Bible says they sung a new song. And they said, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. And here it is. And you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Who is that? That's the church in the end time. During the 1,000-year millennial reign, we will have been given immortal bodies, and the church will rule and reign with Jesus Christ for that 1,000-year period. So if you're born again, if you're part of the church, the redeemed, the bride of Christ, that's where you're going to end up. So death, that's just a doorway to another better world if you've prepared yourself, if you've been born again. And so that's the goal of every radio program, every television program, every magazine that End of the Age and End Time Ministries puts out, every prophecy conference that I do, every 
Bible study that I do, everything, all my global correspondence, the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel, into the age plus, the Jerusalem Prophecy College online, the goal of all of it is to let you know Jesus Christ is coming in the near future and that you need to be born again so when He comes back, you can go to be with Him. And guess what? It will take the fear of death and the fear of events that will transpire in the end time. I'm not afraid of that. Why? Because I'm building another kingdom that's coming. I'm working on that kingdom now, the kingdom of God, and expanding the, the kingdom that Jesus will come back to rule. And I'm excited. Right now, there are tens of thousands of Jewish immigrants stranded in Ukraine as Russia invades city after city with no regard for human life. 3,000 Jews are ready to return to Israel today. The need for evacuation, shelter, flights, and emergency housing, nearly $10 million. The Jews in Ukraine need your help. If half of you gave just $250 toward this need, it would be met in full today. Please consider giving to help Jews safely escape Ukraine. To give or learn more, go to endtime.com Ukraine or call 800-END-TIME. That's endtime.com Ukraine or 800-363-8463. I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the end time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you. couple announcements really quick. Uh, I just completed the Future According to Bible Prophecy DVD. Taught through the timeline all through the last year at our prophecy conferences It's now out on DVD this month only. You can pre-order your free copy, The Future According to Bible Prophecy, DVD, when you give a gift of any amount. And it will ship in May, and you can have that DVD to share with your friends, family, sphere of influence, all the events that will happen uh, all the way out through eternity. And we also talk about the world government, world religion, the mark of the beast in that. They're being established now when they become the kingdom of the Antichrist, the kingdom of the false prophet, and when will the mark of the beast be implemented. You want to know how all this stuff's going to play out? Pre-order the DVD. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-363-8463. Also, finally, 
we're getting to go back to Israel. The Israel tour this year will be September 17th through the 28th. You can go with me and my wife Jana, and I'm telling you, it will be the trip of the lifetime for many people. A lot of people saved up their whole life to go once. We want to take you with us. I want you to get the full experience of the prophecy, the Bible, archaeology, history of Israel. It's, a, it's really a, um, a, a very complete Israel tour. Yes, we'll go to the upper room, the Temple Mount, the Mount of Olives, the uh, Garden of Gethsemane, the tomb. We'll also go to the plain of Megiddo, where the Battle of Armageddon is going to be engaged. That's where it will originate. We'll go to the Sea of Galilee. We'll have the baptisms. I mean, it's an awesome trip. But here's the key. We're only taking one bus. 48 seats are available, and we had a lot of people sign up over the weekend already. And so my wife was like, man, we're going to fill up this bus quick. And I said, I know, um, but I wanted to go ahead and announce it again on the radio because a lot of people are wanting to go. We're not going to, well, in the spring, we've got those dates set. We'll be taking two buses. This trip, it's going to be me and my wife and the 48 that are going with us on one bus. So if you want to go, call 1-800-363-8463 and talk to my wife, Jana Robbins, or go to endtime.com and you can sign up there. So look forward to going to Israel with the 48 that make it on the bus. I'll put it like that because everybody's signing up like crazy. So, wow. Looking forward to that. Now, the victory of the church in the end time. I want to stick really to the book of Revelation because everybody thinks, well, the book of Revelation, that's the end time book. Yeah, it really is. From chapter 4, verse 1. When the words were spoken to John in Revelation 4, 1, Hey, John, come up hither. Some people teach that that's the rapture. And they say that it has to be the rapture because they claim the church is not seen in the book of Revelation after Revelation 4.1. But is that true? Well, as a matter of fact, no, that's not exactly true. The church is seen all the way back uh, throughout the book of Revelation. The Bible says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to Him in uh, Revelation 19 even. Let us be glad and rejoice, give honor to Him, for the marriage supper of the Lamb is come. His wife has made herself ready. So Revelation 19.7, we find ourselves in Revelation 19, and the marriage of the bride of Jesus has not taken place yet, right? Now, I'm not going to go through all of the, the segmentation and everything. I just want to stick to the bride, the church, and the victory of the church in the end time. But if you, I will just say, and many of you know this, that if you try to study the book of Revelation from Revelation 4 on as if it is chronological, you know, wow, you're going to have a hard time figuring it all out because you'll say, well, hey, the Sixth Trumpet War can't happen until after the rapture. The Sixth Trumpet War in Revelation chapter 9, verse 13 through 21, if you believe the rapture has to happen in Revelation 4, 1, you're going to be stuck and wondering what happened when the Sixth Trumpet War happens prior to the rapture. Folks, I can prove that over and over easily using Scripture. But if you're stuck on the fact that the book of Revelation is written in chronological order, wow, you're going to have a hard time figuring it all out, right? So, 
Let's stick to the topic of the bride of Christ, the church, in the book of Revelation, and the victory of the church in the end time. The bride is the church, folks. Throughout the Bible, the Lamb is Jesus Christ, and at the time of the rapture, the bride, which is the church, will be married to Jesus Christ. In verse 7 in Revelation 19, it says, The marriage of the Lamb is come. The belief that the bride, which is the church, does not appear in the rest of the book of Revelation after Revelation 4.1, that's simply inaccurate. And it's based on a, a false understanding. And, of course, we want to help you understand that. Uh, but we'll do that in future programs. I'm not really talking about a... Um, I kind of am talking about a post-trib rapture today, but I'm really focused on the church. We see that Revelation 4.1 is not the rapture, but it's the beginning of the prophetic portion of the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 2 through 3, John said, And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven. One sat on the throne, and he that sat uh, was to look upon like jasper and, and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow and uh, round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. So, try to visualize this scene with me. John's ushered into the heavenlies, either physically or spiritually, we don't know. And he saw a throne, he's seeing a future vision of heaven. So he sees a throne in heaven, and one that sat on the throne. The one that sat on the throne had the appearance like a jasper and a sardine stone. Now this is obviously symbolic. And the rainbow round about the throne looked like an emerald. So he's seeing a future vision of heaven and one throne. However, the church, then everybody would say, well, no, that, hey, the rapture happened. Revelation 4.1. But the church is mentioned many times after Revelation 4.1. If, if you look, just a really quick view through the book of Revelation, the 24 elders represent part of the church. The end time uh, Jewish-Gentile church mixed in Revelation 7. The two witnesses are part of the church. Uh, Revelation 11. The seventh trumpet is when God rewards the church, the, the prophets and the saints, right? That's at the, that's Hebrews, or I'm sorry, Revelation 11. Um, then there's the war in heaven, and Satan persecutes the church, those that have the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's, now we're in Revelation 12. The Antichrist persecutes the church, Revelation 13. Then you have the 144,000 mentioned again in Revelation 14. And then you have events during the tribulation in Revelation 14. So the church is here, right? Um, the simultaneous harvest at the end of Revelation 14. That's the, 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 the harvest of the earth is the church. The, it's like the wheat in the wheat in the, the parable of the wheat and the tares in Matthew 13. The wheat is the church. This is the, another account of that same event. The harvest of the earth is the church. The harvest of the vine of the earth, that's the sinners. Now, uh, in uh, Revelation 16, 15, the Bible says, Behold, I come as a thief. Now, hold on a minute. If Revelation 4, 1, the rapture happened... Why does he say, I behold, I come as a thief, clear over here in 1615? But it says, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth, keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and see his shame. 
It's another account, folks. It happens over and over in the book of Revelation. Then in Revelation 18.4, I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that you receive not of her plagues. Then, then in Revelation 19, you have the bride of Christ. That's the church. The armies of heaven is the church. The Bible says he comes back with ten thousands of his saints in the book of Jude. The first resurrection in Revelation 20 is the church. The new Jerusalem in Revelation 21 is the church. Revelation 22, again, the bride is the church. So all throughout Revelation, uh, the book of Revelation, after Revelation 4.1, the church is mentioned all throughout. And thankfully, the church is victorious in the end. You say, well, yeah, but some are going to be martyred. How can that be victory? You're victorious because you're going to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. The church wins and is victorious in the end. All of the trials and tribulations that we go through here on the earth, it's all worth it because I know where I'm going to spend eternity. And that takes the fear of death, the fear of persecution out of my life. Because now what am I doing? I'm building the kingdom of God and I'm an evangelist and I'm evangelizing the world. What do I use to evangelize the world? The same message that Jesus Christ taught when He was here. The gospel of the kingdom of God. And that gospel, the Bible says, is the everlasting gospel. The gospel of Christ has existed from the beginning of creation and will last forever. Remember in, oh man, Galatians 1.8, the Apostle Paul declares emphatically that there will never be another gospel. There's only one. He says, But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you, than that which we have preached unto you, what? Let him be accursed. So this interfaith movement, this ecumenical movement, you don't want to be a part of that because they're teaching there are many ways to get to into eternity and to be with their so-called supreme being. Uh-uh. But the Apostle Paul said, anybody teaches any other gospel than that which we taught, even an angel from heaven, let him be accursed. And Paul states even that and an angel, again, from heaven, if he preaches any other gospel, accursed. Now, from this scripture, we know the angel preaching the everlasting gospel in Revelation 14 What's he preaching? Is he preaching another gospel than the Apostle Paul? No. He was preaching the exact same gospel that the Apostle Paul preached. And you know, it's interesting, the gospel of Christ was preached even back in the Old Testament. You say, well, how's that possible? Again, Galatians 3.8. It, uh, it states that the gospel was preached to Abraham. The Bible says, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all the nations be blessed. Now, this passage states that in Abraham's seed, referring to Christ here, all nations will be blessed with salvation. Because remember, in the Old Testament, their sins were rolled forward. The plans of salvation that they obeyed, their sins were rolled forward to Calvary, 
when a spotless lamb would die. We look back to Calvary for our spotless lamb. And this is one of the reasons I wanted to talk about that this week leading up to Easter. Because when Easter, Sunday, we, many churches will gather around the planet to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The act of Calvary. Now, I celebrate that every day. I thank God when I pray. Thank you for the act of Calvary and everything you've done for me. Because I don't have to go kill a bull or a goat or whatever every day and, or, or once a year and, and to atone for the sins of me and my family. Don't have to do that. I look back to Calvary. So that promise has certainly been fulfilled. And Christianity has become the most widely embraced religion in the entire world. Christ was preached all the way back in Genesis 3.15. Remember, um, the Bible says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So God said to Satan that the seed of the woman would bruise his head. He's speaking of Jesus destroying Satan through the death of the cross. And you say, well, why are we talking about this today? Because you have a promise because of this. If you've been born again, that you can spend eternity with Him when He comes back. You will win. Yes, we will go through inflation and some high gas prices and all this other, but listen, that's minuscule when it comes to eternity. Some people are so wrapped up in that that it's like, oh, God, you know, God doesn't love me anymore and he's, I'm being persecuted. Listen, things are going to happen in this life. you got to get over it and just keep on trucking. Serve the Lord. Don't fear. Because if you've been born again, you've got an eternal hope that through Jesus Christ, I'm going to make it. You say, well, yeah, but Dave, I sinned 10 years ago and there's no way I can make it. That's, not, that's an absolute lie from Satan. Be born again, be covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, repent of your sins, be baptized, receive the Holy Ghost, and you're going to make it. Be born again. Hebrews 2.14 states that Jesus, through His death, destroyed Him that had the power of death, even the devil. I could quote that scripture the rest of the day over and over. Because that's of utmost importance to your fear. You don't have to fear death. The Bible says, For as much then... As the partakers are blood and uh, flesh and blood, he also likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. Why? To help those who had their whole life been in bondage from the fear of death. He will take that fear away because you don't have to fear the grave anymore. You've got a hope and a promise you're going to spend eternity with him. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. 
When you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99, you can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the Prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2, the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. You know, I've had people say, well, I think most people that watch this program are already saved. And, you know, I I don't know who is saved and who isn't. But if there's one person out there who's not saved, this whole program and everything we do is worth it every day. If there's just one person that I can reach, I hope everybody's saved. (laughs) Believe me, I, I, I hope everybody that listens to us and watches us on TV and follows us is saved. But if there's one person that isn't, it's worth it all, right? Wouldn't you agree? Now, Moses, when we're talking about the gospel, Moses also preached Christ when he was given the plan for the tabernacle. What am I talking about? The everlasting gospel. What's so important about the everlasting gospel? Because God's coming back someday to collect who? the bride, the church, the redeemed. And if you're going to be a partaker in that, you've got to understand the everlasting gospel. And in the book of Revelation, the Bible says, in the last days there will be an angel that flies through proclaiming the everlasting gospel. So it's of utmost importance. Moses also preached Christ when he was given the plan of the tabernacle. Uh, The furniture of the tabernacle was in the shape of a cross and was an object lesson about the plan of salvation that would come through Jesus Christ. You know, when entering the tabernacle, the first piece of furniture was the brazen altar where the blood of the sacrifices was shed. This foreshadowed repentance, which is when the blood covers our sins. And then the second piece of furniture was the laver of water where the priest was commanded to wash. And this was representation of water, which was always um, involved in the plan of sal- the New Testament plan of salvation as well. All, all the way back from the tabernacle and the, t- and the temple plans, water was involved. And then the third piece of furniture in the tabernacle was the golden candlestick where the Oil and the fire combined to give light. And that represented the gift of the Holy Ghost, right? Which would be the third step 
to the plan of salvation. And in the tabernacle plan, there are three elements of salvation. Blood, water, spirit. 1 John 5, 8 speaks of the three elements of salvation. There are three that bear witness in the earth. Spirit, water, and the blood. These three agree in one. What's the one thing that they agree in? The born again plan of salvation. Remember that uh, Jesus Christ purchased on Calvary. Jesus told Nicodemus, he must be born again of the water and the spirit in order to enter the kingdom of God. Now, John the Baptist preached Christ when he said, There is one coming after me mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. That's Matthew 3.11. So as we can see from all these different examples all the way back, even into the Old Testament, the gospel of Christ was preached from the beginning of creation and will continue to be preached forever. Ever. It's the only gospel. That is why it's called the everlasting gospel. The Apostle Paul taught the gospel, 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4. He said, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which you are saved, that if you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. So, uh, and then the Second Thessalonians 1, 7-8, He said, And to you who are troubled with us, who are troubled, rest with us. Don't be troubled. When the Lord Jesus shall be re- revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance upon them, that know not God. Now, you don't want to be a part of that group. Remember the wheat and the tares in the Old Testament. You want to be part of the wheat. You want to be the church. You want to be the bride of Christ. You want to be the redeemed. And the Bible says, and those that obey not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. How do you obey the gospel and become part of the church? Just like Jesus told Nicodemus, you're born again. The the beginning of spiritual preparation for eternity is to be born again. Jesus told Nicodemus, a man cannot see or enter the kingdom of God without being born again. You remember uh, John 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Nicodemus, except a man's born again, can enter or see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, "Well, well, how can a man be born again? When he's old, he got to enter again into his mother's womb and be born again. And Jesus was like, Nicodemus, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man is born of the water and of the Spirit, he can't enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. That's John 3, 3 through 7. Now, I wanted to place this point right here for a reason. Yes, we know there are apocalyptic events prophesied for the end time. Instances where one's life could be taken. Now, I understand if you believe in a pre-trib, that's fine. That's up to you. There's differences of opinion when the rapture is going to occur, whether we go through the tribulation. I say, be ready. Be ready today, be ready tomorrow, 
and be ready until you hear that trumpet sound. So, whether it's a pre-post-trib, be ready. Because we know that the Lord could call any one of us at home at any time, right? So, why wait? But The Bible says, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. That's 2 Corinthians 6.2. So, for a conclusive explanation of the biblical plan of salvation, being born again, I want to offer you a brochure so you can read it all, get all the scriptures. Call 1-800-363-8463 or ask, and or when you call, ask for the free brochure, what do you mean born again? Or go to visitendtime.com and all the information is on there. Type in, what do you mean born again? The brochure comes up. So don't wait, be born again today. That's the main message. Then that takes the fear factor away. You don't have to worry about death anymore. You don't have to worry about some of these things because, hey, if I, if I, for some reason, I get hit by a car on the way home and taken out, I'm just going to wake up in the arms of Jesus, right? The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Hebrews 2.15 And release those who through fear of death. That's a very key thing. That these people, fear of death, were all their lifetime subject to bondage. I know what it's like to be a backslid individual. Somebody who had been in church, but walked away. I did that. I know what it's like. To, I did that, it's uh, been 20-some years ago now. But I did that. And I know what it's like to be scared, thinking, man... You know, wow, if uh, something happens to me, this is not going to be too pretty. Because I, I wasn't doing the will of God in my life. I wasn't trusting Him. I wasn't living for Him. I'd walked away. But thank God for my father-in-law who went on a fast for me and prayed for me. And God drew me by His Spirit back into church. You say, well, I'm a backslider today. I, I, I walked away from God and God doesn't love me, and, uh, you know, it's just the end of it for me. That is a lie from Satan. Look, you're sitting here looking at somebody, or you're listening to me. I know what it's like to be a backslider, folks. And God can bring you back and do amazing things for you if you just turn your life to Him. Come back. Come home. You know, who was it that taught the parable of the prodigal son? Who was it? Jesus Christ, wasn't it? Because that's how he is. The prodigal son walked away, took his inheritance, and left. But when he was down feeding the hogs, he said, you know what? Even the servants are eating better than I am tonight in my father's house. I'm going to go back and just see if he'll give me just anything. And when he come around the corner, the father, guess what? Was standing there looking down the road, waiting on him to come back. And when he came back, he gave him a big hug. And he said, kill the fatted calf, the party's on because the son has come back. So the son or daughter, a backslidden individual, if you're out there, come home. Don't let the devil lie to you and say, oh, I can't get back. God doesn't love me anymore and Satan's got a hold of me. That is a lie. Come back. The father's saying, come back, come back. Because it's not God's will that any should perish. So don't let Satan lie to you and say, well, you can't make it. That's a lie. Satan's the father of liars. The truth is not in him. 
So the Bible says, also, blessed are they that die. You say, well, how in the world does that work? Again, in Revelation 14, it mentions the church again. Revelation 14, 13 says, And I heard a voice from the heavens saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Now, I wrote a, an editorial in End Time Magazine about my father-in-law, Irvin Baxter. About those that die in the Lord and that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. I.E. Irvin Baxter. Died in the Lord. Worked for the Lord his whole life, basically. Prayed, was a spirit-led man of God. This End Time Ministries is here because God... Was he, he yielded his members to God and was allowed to be used by God to affect, I don't know how many tens of thousands of people over the years. So guess what? He passed on November 3rd, 2020. He, has, he died in the Lord. And the Bible says that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. Me being on the radio today, I'm still under the influence of Irvin Baxter. His influence will be building the kingdom of God until the trumpet sounds because of all the labor that he put into this. His influence will continue on. And so this interesting passage is interjected in the midst of the announcement of, if you know, uh, Revelation 14, in the fall of the Berlin Wall, or the, uh, the, ba- the fall of Babylon, I should say. Where did I get the Berlin Wall? The fall of Babylon and the judgment of all those who take the mark of the beast. But the Bible says right there that blessed are they that die in the Lord. That's very, very key. How do you get in the Lord? Be born again, just like Jesus told Nicodemus. And it is right before the second coming of Jesus Christ in the battle of Armageddon here. Described in Revelation 14, 14 through 20. Why does that scripture state that those that die in the Lord from henceforth are blessed? Because it is saying that the saved individuals who die at the time will escape the persecutions that will happen. Uh, some, there will be some that suffer persecutions by the Antichrist that the Antichrist is attempting to force into obedience of all who have submitted themselves to his global authority, who have not submitted them, my father-in-law won't have to face any of that. And so it's very important. We've got to get our mind right here. And so that's what we're trying to help you to do on the radio today. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high-traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. 
If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. Look, I want to say one more thing about prodigals because I was a prodigal away from the Lord. My wife was a a prodigal away from the Lord. We came back to the Lord. I have a son today that is a prodigal, somebody who's had a great relationship with the Lord, went to Bible college, was a preacher. But through some troubles and things that happened, he walked away from the Lord I'm asking you to help me pray for him today. His name is Brock. He's my my oldest child. B-R-O-C, Brock. I'm asking you to put him on your prayer list, and I will remember your children and loved ones who have walked away in prodigals in my prayers. And because it's... Let me ask you, is there anything more important than that? that your children serve the Lord. And so, I'm asking you today, I just kind of feel it, that there may be some other people besides me who is dealing with this type of situation and there is hope. Listen to me. Don't ever give up because there's hope for everyone. Everyone under the sound of my voice and all of your children. You say, yeah, but it looks like a lost cause. Listen, don't ever give up hope. Don't ever lose your faith in God to bring them back. Uh, because God, God can do some amazing things. I mean, His ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. He, he, God is... I've seen things happen you can't even imagine. Miracles. I am a miracle sitting here today before you. So, uh, man, I ought to do a, pro, a, a program on prodigals someday. I don't know, but we'll, we'll see what happens in the future. But there's a hope in the end time. You're never without hope. I think a lot of people, because they see society kind of closing in that, oh, uh, God's going to let us down and we're going to fail. No, no, we're not going to fail. The church is going to win in the end time. The church is the only thing that does win in the end time. The Antichrist is going to be destroyed, cast into the lake of fire. The false prophet, what leads to world religion, he's going to be destroyed, cast into the lake of fire. Read Revelation 19, 20. The world governments are going to be destroyed. The armies that the world governing army that comes down against Israel to battle at the Battle of Armageddon, they're going to be destroyed. God's going to pour his wrath out upon them. The Antichrist does not win. The false prophet does not win. Jesus Christ. The Bible says when he comes back, we will crown him Lord of Lords and King of Kings. He wins. And if you're part of the church, you win too. So don't ever give up hope. Don't ever give up faith. Will we have to go through a few things? Sure we will. The church has always had to go through a few things. Because Satan doesn't like what we're doing. But I'm not worried about Satan. Remember, the Bible says they were put in in a prison cell in their mind because their whole life because they had the fear of death. The fear of death is gone once you become born again. Now, 
Luke 21, 36, it makes the same statement. It says uh, that I just quoted, Watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of God. That doesn't mean there's a pre-tribulation rapture. It simply means that there will be people that will be taken. My father-in-law, Irvin Baxter, his mom and dad, Irvin and Irvin Baxter Sr. and Ruth Baxter, they died in the Lord as evangelists and pastors, part of the church. So they won't have to face the great tribulation. Um, and um, there are many other people. My mother-in-law's mom and dad, and I mean all kinds of people that have went on before us. But when it comes time for the church that has went through this stuff, the church is taken to be with the Lord in the harvest, which is the rapture at the end of it all. You say, well, but, but Dave, there you go. We're talking about a post-tribulation rapture. That makes me scared. Listen to me. I'm going to go through this stuff just like you are, unless the Lord takes me home prior to that. I know... I have many, many Christian friends, many, many pastor friends. Uh, Here's the deal. I just talked to our missionary from Israel today. We work very closely. He sat in my office this morning. He's on deputation now. He'll be going back to Israel here before very long. Revival is happening in Israel. You would be shocked at the amount of people that they're having in revival and, and, and conversions and different things that have happened in Israel last year. I think people would be shocked if they knew that. And God is moving all over the earth. The Bible says, Jesus said in Matthew 24, this gospel will be preached into the whole earth, then the end will come. That is happening. Gospel, the gospel is being preached in Ukraine right now. The gospel is being preached in some Middle Eastern countries where it's completely against the law to do that. These people are taking their lives in their own hands. In China, many different places, the gospel is being preached there. Why? Because people got over their fear of death and they're being wise as serpent, harmless as doves, and they're preaching and teaching the gospel. Why? Because people need to be saved. So... When we talk about the two harvest, I wanted to stay in Revelation. I could have went through Matthew 13. I might if I have time. But the two harvest described in Revelation 14, 14 through 20, they occur right, right together. The harvest found in verses 14 through 16, um, John said, And I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and upon the cloud one that sat upon the Son of Man, was like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice at him that sat upon the cloud, and said, Hey, thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for thee to reap, for the harvest of the earth. The harvest of the earth here is the church. For the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle in the earth, and the earth was reaped. In these scriptures, we witness the reaping of the harvest of the earth, which is referring to the rapture of the church. Now, if you go on down in that chapter, for sake of time, I probably won't go through that. If you go on down in the chapter, it talks the same thing as the wheat and the tares 
in Matthew 13, it talks about the harvest of the vine of the earth. Those individuals are cast into the great winepress of the wrath of God, which is the battle of Armageddon. You do not want to be part of that. You want to be part of the harvest of the earth, just like the wheat. Um, so the, the, you remember the, the, the parable of the wheat and the tares, the parable Jesus taught concerning the two harvest. It's the, exact, it's the account of the exact same thing. In Matthew 13, uh, 24 through 30, Jesus gave a parable of the kingdom of heaven. And in the parable, a man sowed a seed in his field, but while men slept, an enemy came in and sowed tares among the wheat. When the wheat came up, the tares come up with the wheat. The servants of the field asked their employer, well, hey, don't you, didn't you sow good seed? Didn't you go to like a farm bureau co-op or something and buy good seed? I mean, where'd these tares come from? And the owner of the field said, well, an enemy did this. The servants asked, well, should we go and pull up the tares among the wheat? And he said, well, no, no, don't do that. Because if you uproot the wheat, you'll tear up the, if you, up, if you uproot the tares, you'll pull up the wheat with them. So let them both grow up until the time of the harvest when we will reap both of them together. We can then put the tares in, in bundles, burn them in the fire. We'll gather the wheat, put it into the barn. Say, well, what in the world does that mean? Well, if you go down to Matthew 13, 36 through 43, Jesus explained the meaning of that parable of the wheat and the tares. He said the owner that sowed the, the good seed... That's Jesus Christ, the Son of Man. The field is the world. So when I, what I'm doing here right now is I'm sowing seed that hopefully will bring forth a harvest. The seed, so the field is the world. The, seed, the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The saved individuals. The tares in this parable are the children of the wicked one. The unsaved individuals. Again, I hope everybody listening to me is saved. If there's one out there, you are who I'm talking to. You're the the one that I'm reaching for. The enemy that sowed the tares is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. So the parable explains that what will happen at at the end of this world, which is the same word for the end of this age. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels. They will gather all things which offend and that, that do, those that do iniquity and shall cast them into the furnace of fire where there's weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth. The righteous will rule in the kingdom of their father. Will rule and reign with him as kings and priests for a thousand years. In both of these accounts of the two simultaneous harvest in Revelation 14 and Matthew 13, the same event occurs. The wheat will be harvested. The tares will be sent to damnation. And so, which side do you want to be on at that point? You say, well, that's kind of a, that's a unique question because everybody would want to be on this side. Yes, everybody does want to be on this side, but has everybody lined up their life to this side to make it in the bride of Christ? Because the Bible says most people on the earth won't do that in the end time. So I'm trying to help you today and give you some guidance and clear up some issues because a lot of people are afraid. I've talked to Christians who are scared out of their mind. 
And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. What, what, what's the role of the church in the end time? Do you know? Can you answer the question? What's the role of the church in the end time? It's to go out and spread the gospel, win souls, and build the kingdom of God. Um, Daniel 11, 32 and 33. During the time of the Antichrist, the Bible says, They that do know their God shall be strong, do exploits. They that understand among the people shall instruct many. That's our goal. And so we're building the kingdom of God in the earth. Then, what is our goal in the end time? What's the promise? The marriage supper of the Lamb at the battle of Armageddon. The Bible says after this, um, if you remember, the voice said to John in Revelation 19.9, here's our promise, everybody. Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. Who is that? People who have been born again. It is interesting that this is the only place in Scripture where the marriage supper of the Lamb is specifically mentioned. Then immediately afterward in Revelation 19.11, heaven is opened up, Jesus appears in the sky, and John said, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. So, how do all of these events fit together? 1 Thessalonians 4, 16-17 For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. The church wins in the end time, everybody. Don't be fearful. Don't let the devil put you in a prison in your mind because you're afraid of things, that, uh, uh, you're afraid of the grave or you're afraid of things that will happen in the near future. Make sure you're born again. Get others to be born again. The New Testament plan of salvation. And you have a promise that you will be victorious in the end time. God bless. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463, or visit us online at endtime.com.